everyone. Welcome to another episode of Crunch for the Mythos Manual. I'm your host, Leslie Wisniewski. I produce this podcast. With me, as always, is our game master, Calder David. What up, world? And also joining us today is our dear friend, Omar Najam. You probably know him from Hyper RPG. Thank you for questing, saving throw, monsters and fables, a lot of things. GM, host, podcast master, amazing human being, Omar, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. We're pretro excited that you're sitting down. You're our first non-podcast-involved like podcast involved guest. Mm-hmm. Like you're an outside source. Yeah. You're not obligated to be here, and so we appreciate it even more. <laughs> you don't have to like me. You just do. All right, cool. Let's discuss. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I love the show. That's really exciting. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> uh, we're starting to have small moments with people outside of the outside of like the podcast group who are like, oh, I'm listening. I really like it. We're like, what? what? <laughs> no one's listening. My mom's not listening. Why are you listening? <laughs> I think moms get a pass. Moms get a pass. My mom actually like offered to listen to it. And I'm like, it's awfully niche, mom. You don't like board games. I don't know why you would like this. Like, That's so funny. Anytime my <laughs> folks like tune in for like live stream RPG stuff, they're just like, I don't get it. <laughs> but I know who Buffy is. And I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of reassurance. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about these last two sessions. Uh, a lot of exploration happening. Our characters have finally made it to their destination of Poema. They also encountered the lost colony of Leroy and kind of started to uncover some of the mysteries that are latent throughout the jungle, especially in this area. Uh, really fun, super exciting. And we're going to start seeing things kind of shift in how the structure of episodes roll out because now we've arrived at our destination. We're not journeying anymore. Uh, Cal, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, how that's going to be looking in the next couple episodes? Well, I think a lot of this, from now on, in, in this, the scope of this campaign, is that the rest of the story will take place pretty much around this location, Poema. That's, that was the, always my scope of it, that there was going to be a journey into a jungle... Because I wanted, the, I liked the, there's a lot of those tropes you see in adventure stories of like the journey in. Like I also liked Anaconda and I like a lot of those other like traveling through the jungle to reach a destination. But now we're at that destination and so now it's about uncovering the secrets of that place and the surrounding jungle. What does that mean? What's happening here? What's, what's this big mystery that seems to be rooted in this place? Yeah, I feel like in a way, it's like when you're playing a video game, you have the world map and you're slowly uncovering little bits of it. We're yeah. starting to hear rumors of other tribes, of, of other people that could be potentially out here. Especially now that Damius has joined the group, it's like there are other people out here and there has been shit going on the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah, for a very long time. Uh, I wanted to make it feel like a place that like people were living. I think that was important in part of the world building was... I didn't want to have the trope of it's a bunch of people from outside coming into this place and the adventure has to be suited for them like the the world didn't exist they're only there for like our protagonists we followed in to like grow it's like a manic pixie right. dream jungle in a way like, <laughs> right yeah yep, and so it, it has to be a living place with its own set of rules and like its own economy and societies and like and history right that is apart from everything else and then the interactions are players have in this world are going to kind of shape how the story moves and like they're going to learn more about the place and the place will change them and they'll change the place that's the hope yeah it's like cultural interaction versus just like going exploring smashing leaving it, it, yeah, like, 100%. there's not a whole lot of change like you might get some information but like 
Right. There's no personal interaction going on. Exactly. Like, right. Where it's not just like go into like this, like ancient sit in ancient ruins or like whatever tomb mm-hmm. or whatever. And like kill the monsters, grab the loot, go to the next one. Yeah. Which I think is like a way of doing it. And like, I don't know. I was about to say, there's nothing wrong with that, but there might be. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it communicates. <laughs> it communicates different things. That these places aren't inherently hostile and they aren't inherently dangerous, but they are perceived to be. Yeah, I also really like in the show, especially in this current arc, there's like different perspectives within that ecosystem. Yeah. Which I think is like, that's like the make or break. Like, I I don't know, I feel like in that, that pulpy sort of like pre-Indiana Jones stuff, that's what you don't get. You mm-hmm. get your one guide who will say something and then everyone else are just kind of like, it's background. Yeah. You, know? you get the one guy who gets like killed by an arrow early on. Yeah. Right? And you're like, I'm oh. serious. Yeah. yeah. The, the guide. Yeah. yeah. It's like, don't look into the statue. And you're like, that's it. Like, I didn't really get a good sense of like these people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do feel like that's one of the benefits of kind of one of the few silver linings of living when we are living is that D&D has become so much less of a niche that we're mm. able to kind of take that formula and expand upon it. Yeah. We, we get to almost spider-verse it to a degree. We don't have to just use NPCs as like, okay, answer questions. Great. I'm done with you. Get out of my face. Or I need to buy something from you. Great. Get out of my face. I'm going to go into this dungeon. I'm going to loot it. And the end. Yeah. Um, we're able to have a little bit more nuance. We don't have to have um, sessions that have at least one combat, at least one mystery or riddle or... I try to keep, like, each session with its own, like, interesting thing. But, like, I also try to keep my hands off of sessions as much as possible. I wanted the players... I think it was important to try to keep, like, a interesting story happening, but also let them dictate as much of the story as I could. Yeah. And also, like, in the show, everyone is so good that, like, you... I feel like, I don't know... I, I don't know what the exact setup is, but, like, I even get the feeling that, like, the players are, like, have an eye on the clock. Of just like, okay, cool. We're like naturally, organically, we should probably stumble. Like we're not going to avoid the docks. It's like, we've got five more minutes. There's probably going to be something spooky at the docks. Let's go to the docks. Yeah. You know, and so I think they... like, mm, let's do some research in the lobby of this hotel. Or, you know, like it's not that. It's like, let's go out and do the thing because we need to get like the next chunk of Yeah, like, I think there's suspense. a little, they're good at that sort of thing. Like we try to keep the story flowing. Like it's always more interesting to make an interesting choice and to do something fun versus, like, always play it safe. Because always playing it safe isn't, like, that's not why we're playing the game. Yeah. Right. And, right. and I feel like as a player, there's the fear, for me at least, well, what if we make the wrong choice? But, I mean, for you guys who are often running games, is there ever a wrong choice? Or can you almost always, like, bowling bumper people back towards the goal? Mm. Oh, I don't play with goals <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> that's um, fair. So, for me, it's real easy of, like, not having because i just sandbox a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. so for me it's real easy where it's just like you can't like screw you're it laying track down as they're as yeah. they're rolling like everywhere there's danger so if you're just like no we're just gonna go to the dmv it's just like okay but like there's vampires <laughs> there's, yeah they're run by vampires yeah. <laughs> I know, there's nothing is safe <laughs> and that is a good approach too i think and i think you're right i think i always think of it like there might not necessarily be right or wrong answers I think that's the way the wrong way to look at things is that there are like more efficient answers versus less efficient answers Mm -hmm. when you're trying to solve a a problem but like that is okay because like even because it's all about the journey it's rarely about really the destination and as long as uh, the story is interesting and like things are moving and people are having fun the exploration of the world feels like organic and real then we're okay I also think that we've ingested so much anime that, like, yeah. anything <laughs> can be a suspenseful ending. Like, oh, any yeah. single thing. Right. Where it's like, I'm just going to take a bite of this apple, and you're like, mm-hmm. 
you sure? Okay. That looks like a very good apple. Uh, it turns to dust. All right, next week, you know. Like, next week. <laughs> you fight the apple dust monster. <laughs> oh, man. These last two sessions, as I mentioned before, there's not a lot of combat. It's a lot of NPC interaction, mm-hmm. especially for two sessions back to back. In your guys' experience, when you're having a whole lot of NPC interaction, how do you, I guess, like keep the energy up? That would be my question. I feel like you're just you're doing voices for for a minute. It is a lot of that. You mean in terms of like playing the characters? Yeah, it's like how do you how do you maintain not only the voice and like the style of the person, but continuing to have them be engaging so they don't fall back into the whole NPC. Like I'm here to answer your questions. <laughs> are you buying? Or are you selling? Yeah, yeah, yeah Resident <laughs> yes. Evil Four. Um, <laughs> A coffee, sure, <laughs> probably. Sure, sure, Thank sure. you for requesting. We always loaded up on coffee right before. I think Mia used to go through like an entire like giant bottle of cold brew like every session. That's a lot. Um, Ours a lot. is red wine. Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a really great improv lesson from someone from Groundlings, which was like, anytime you feel a scene is going stale, go to the fourth wall, pick up something, whatever the space allows. Oh, cool. And then turn and say the most personal thing that your character's been hiding this whole time. Oh. And I love, like, anytime, like, something just starts to drop down, where it's just like, because your NPC, like, is not there just to deliver information. Right. If you're, like, having fun. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of it being, like, at some point, they're just like, listen, I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I am... I'm proposing today to my, you know, like, and you're just like, oh, okay, there's something else going on here. There's a lot happening, for sure. Well, it's hard to, because I what feel- What a rich inner life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like characters like Suresh, who's so just, like, intellectual and goofy in a way, mm-hmm. and that he just doesn't pick up on other people and their emotions, mm-hmm. it's fun to kind of see that character just kind of barrel barreling forward while he's paired with Ruth, who is much more, I feel like- reflective and going through something yeah Yeah. memories yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i have like a similar kind of thing what i'll try to do especially with this campaign because like my own personal goal specifically with eyes in the mist was i really wanted to make a campaign that really relied on its npc cast that was an important thing to me my last like couple games have all been like npcs are important but like you meet them once or twice they say their thing, they do their thing, and then we kind of move on a yeah. little bit. And they don't grow. Right. Uh, and so that was, like, really important to me. I was inspired by a lot of, like, video games I've played. Like, honestly, like, Stardew Valley was a big influence yeah, on this. Yeah, we could talk about Stardew Valley for seven hours we if could, you want. 100%. We could play yeah. Stardew Valley for seven hours right <laughs> yeah. now. Let's start a farm. <laughs> I'm down, but go on. So fun. Um, <laughs> but like, but like that, Persona 5, mm-hmm. where it was another big one, where it's just, like, the idea of, like, the more... I interact with this person, the more I'm going to learn about yes. them. And they're not going to tell me everything about them right away. Right, I yeah. Think that, I think I fell into that earlier um, when I was like maybe a, a little younger. I think like the most interesting things about my NPCs, they would just tell you up front because that's what their story is about. Yeah. That was a big thing in this one. So I, I always came at, especially with this campaign, and I would treat every NPC this way. Like, like an actual character in like... If I was running like a play or a screenplay or a book or whatever, is that like every character has to want something, right? right. That's all what it's about. Like, and you can always kind of go back to relate that to whatever their like main objective is. They're always in some way pursuing that. Even if they're not actively like obviously pursuing it, in the back of their mind they are. So like what kind of other tasks, what other conversations are they going to have along the way in pursuit of that goal? And that will always give you something. Yeah. Well, I think we're already kind of seeing a learning curve happening with our player characters. I can't tell you how many times I feel like Kata asked Dalton to go into the jungle with her. Yes. And he was like, 
no. Not, yeah. No. I, do you want to have sex? But no, then no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she just went through every single NPC to be like, right? Yeah. And they're like, why would we do mm-hmm. that? Yes. What are, what's our motivation, essentially? Yeah. You're 100% correct with that. Yeah. It's like, it's not that there's like a dialogue box that's lacking. Yeah. It's like, it's <laughs> it's so there. I also feel like I, and I, this is true true of this show because I, I know everyone involved, but like, for thank you for questing, it was so lucky that we were like such good friends because then it wasn't so much like let's follow the plot kind of stuff yeah. as much as like all the players on that show are all like very good friends and like I know them very well and I think they were all very earnest in the way that they were playing their characters. Oh, so good! I mean, like I I love thank you for questing, which was like, another you. big like influence on this project. Oh, in, thank in you. its own way. <laughs> Even though like, I think like the, like thank you for questing, which was like the most rules light rules light. Oh, there are is, no rules. Yeah, and this and this very much like the rule like yeah rule, like I'm adding rules to a very rules heavy system. Right, right. But then the NPCs are like a fun way. I think as like a GM, especially when you're playing with folks you're very familiar with and very close to, is like a way to interact with your friends without it being so direct and on the surface. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. can, instead of it just being like, I'll get you, I'll get you to, uh, you can hop in this wagon or whatever, and like it'll cost you this much gold or whatever. Like having that conversation, you're having a conversation with a deeper part of your friends than like you're used to because we're all just in character. But it can be a moment where like the NPC is just like, so what, you know, what are your fears? Or like, you can explore stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you're actually talking to someone you know and you're having that conversation. And it can be a very nice like fun, intimate, it's like an opportunity for like a nice intimate interaction and with that like you can never run out of energy because you're yeah. just having an honest conversation just in character just in character yeah <laughs> like you're just kind of channeling somebody else and it's a, it's a fun thing to tap into yeah i really enjoyed like i didn't really expect like when when i wrote up this campaign i kind of came up i came up with like, major npcs before the character like the players ever sat down mm-hmm. with their characters and so like then like dami is showing up and he, as a survivor of the colony of Leroy, and then now he, like, knows Ruth, and suddenly it propels this other character, who, like, I liked and, like, had, like, a interesting, like, ideas for, but it propels her forward. It moves her forward because, like, suddenly there's, like, a tie to this other NPC, and him and I can have, like, these interesting conversations about the the two of them. And that was just fun to kind of dig into. I liked being, like, these, like, like talking, like, like old childhood friends with Alan. Yeah. <laughs> like, Leslie, I know, like, we've played before a few times. Yeah. And I feel like your choices for characters are always, like, so fun and accurate to who you are <laughs> if, that, if yes. that makes sense like it's not like yeah. that like oh, i'm just gonna get like a pre-gen and like whatever i'll just do this like yeah because at, at the end of the day like your instincts and your gut it's still yours right, right. you're kind of diverting it to a different expression mm-hmm. but those instincts are still so present and you're right. often like whoa well i would do this and then my character would do this twist to it. <laughs> right, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. they can fly, so it's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a little easier. <laughs> um, thank you for questing. didn't have like HP or like yeah. really AC or anything. It was all about, and thank you for questing is just more about like how how does the scene play out, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah it what, was, is it, what does it feel like? Is it like John Wick? <laughs> right, yeah. Because yeah. it, it's like, I, what I really like about, like a, we were doing like a Marvel one shot right before Endgame and I was explaining 5e, some friends, and it was like 80% of this, or at least the way that like I knew this group would play, it's like 80% of this is going to just be like theater of the mind, like whatever, we're mm-hmm. in character, you're Hawkeye, but you're green, it's a joke. You get to make up stuff and like there'll be some checks, but mostly we're just in character. And then when you get to an encounter, it's like, okay, this is fantasy chess. So we're not doing theater anymore. We're going to sit down and be like, block out how this would happen. The yeah. dice will randomize it. And then we'll look back on that encounter and be like, that's what the scene was. 
we were just in it, so we couldn't like see it, but like we can edit it in our minds afterwards. Mm-hmm. But for me, I like non-combat encounters a little bit more because you don't have to do that. Yeah, it you takes, can go straight through with the theater of the mind. It takes out, yeah. It just it, it can be all theater of the mind, and you can do, and they're good at different things. Because I actually, I really like combat encounters. I really, mm-hmm. I really like fantasy chess. Of like, yeah, like I think like like I, I talk a lot about fantasy tactics because like it just like left such a deep deep groove in my brain mm-hmm. about how much i love like little mats and like elevation yep. units and like moving things around like in, in five foot squares yeah like, super into it but like it doesn't it's not good at everything is the thing and i think i used to think that it was good at everything i used to think that like any kind of combat any kind of style can be reflected in that but like can you do john wick as like a dnd 5e character or a pathfinder character and it's like yeah Sort of, right? Like, you can make John Wick. I can make a character who is, like, a good at karate and good at guns. Right. And, like, he's just a badass. In the- but never, never in a 5e or Pathfinder game would a combat ever feel like a John Wick fight scene, right? It just it just can't happen. The rules don't allow for it. There is no, there is no like, I'm struggling against five guys and, like, they all have knives and I have a stapler and, like, I'm going to win. <laughs> like, there is, yeah. like, the rules don't account for that. Like, unless well, you're playing, like, a... You just need a different kind of game. Yeah, and, and also it's. I think it's less about like the gaming system and more about like when we, when we talk about taking characters that are well known and kind of our, our public psyche and translating them into a game setting. The question that we always ask is, or that we always find ourselves asking, I think, is what is so intrinsic to this character? Like, if you changed everything about them except these like three things, how would you know? Like, yeah. Harry Potter, he's got to have a lightning scar. Like, yeah, he's got to have some sort of attachment to like an evil being. And he's got to be a young boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those a are young con- British boy. A young British boy. Like those are the things that it's like, if you put those elements into an aardvark, you're like, oh, that's a Harry Potter aardvark, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Harry Potter aardvark. Yeah. What are the elements that cross over enough for you to like recognize that? Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I work at Hasbro and so we deal a lot with like intellectual property mm-hmm. and especially retro brands. And so that question is asked a lot of like, what is it about this brand that makes it true to what it is. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, ontology of, like, characters. So interesting. What makes, yeah. <laughs> what make like, what are the most identical properties of a character, and, like, how do you m- move those forward? Yeah. That's a good thought. Um, I suppose I, ethos, yeah. 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 And I like, uh, to go back, I guess, also to non-combat encounters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what's kind of fun, because I, I, there weren't any combats in the last two episodes. There was the, in the, like, three episodes ago, there was the fight with the giant centipede. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was kind of it for the most part. Yeah, the only thing, I feel like the only thing that happened in these last two is that Alan got a face full of acid. He, it was in, yeah. which, was like a, which was like a more of a trap haunted house and, and then thing. he ran away. And then he ran away. This <laughs> was like, non-combat's like a great way to, for your characters to develop as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I... I don't know. I, I love nothing more than like a nice Saturday morning in November combat heavy session. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. there's nothing more fun than that where you're just like in an open field and it's just like, I'm going to climb this tree really quickly and shoot like a bunch of arrows on long range. You want to run up there? Oh, yeah. Like, I, yeah. like I'm going to I'm going to go berserker. It's going to be great. Um, I'm going to rage. I'm going to run in. Like, yeah. and you're just like, this is great. And like afterwards, like all of us are like sweating, even though we didn't like move, you know, like yeah. it's just yeah. great. But there is something so great about, like, a haunted house situation where it's, like... Because we had one in Thank You for Questing, mm-hmm. and it was just, like... Because we were so... there were It wasn't, like, set in any way, and we were building it together. It would be a thing where it's, like, this is a living nightmare. What, what does the face of your nightmare look like? Oh, and you guys, yeah, like, know so about... Good. 
Yeah. And like, it's just such a great way to build out a character. It's just like constantly asking. I mean, it's, it's just cheating directing too. Cause like when you're directing actors, that's what you do mm-hmm. where you just ask like, your actor, like, well, what's your character's greatest fear? Like, what's this, you know, like what's your least favorite color? Like this informs a lot of the mm-hmm. sub- yeah. subconscious. I like, you're so right. Cause in like you, when you, add that sort of thing to RPGs then, which is that everybody then is collaborating on just, not just like your own character, but the world. Oh my God. Yeah. Such an impact that way. And I think everybody has like, it's good for everyone to have the same level of investment. Like it's not like, yeah, it's the GM's world and the GM is like created like the circumstance, but like, the players are shaping it, right? Like, yeah. In, a, in the best in the best situation, like the players should be shaping it just as much. I that's my that's I'm so so happy that like RPG stuff is is so much in the zeitgeist because of that. Because like I did improv for the longest time, mm-hmm. and that's like my I would say like my background of like any training that I have is like improv. You're just a funny improv guy. Just a funny improv guy. Let's play party <laughs> games. How did um, you ever live in Chicago? Well, I got family in Chicago, so right. I felt like I did. I should have though. I would have loved it. You would have. You'd have done great. We were talking about this as if Omar's going to die tomorrow and you're, not get the chance to go to Chicago. You're always wearing flannel. I know. Well, I'm going to Chicago like right after Comic-Con. I know. So, like, so yeah. But yeah. I agree. I will end up in Chicago. That's yeah, my you, prediction. You'll end up living there. My favorite movie of all time is Ferris Bueller. So like, okay. I will ah, be in Chicago. It's only yeah. a matter of time. Yeah. It'll, <laughs> it'll happen. At some point. And then I won't come back. I'll have a house. I, that's what I love about it is like it, it's such a dream that this is like a huge thing in the culture right now where like what's so crazy about um, this like uh, like D and D, Pathfinder, RPG stuff. It's like our imagination almost takes tangible form. Like mm-hmm. you have minis, and that's like literally tangible. But like otherwise, it's like stuff that you imagine can happen. And like the idea of like magic with like I guess like a K or like ancient magic or whatever is that right? Where it's like yeah. I have a thought or an emotion that's so powerful that if I have a physical totem, it becomes a thing. Like it has an influence in our actual world that we live in. Oh, what a you know? good fucking parallel. Yes. And then like this, it's like we're all working together on that. Like you guys are just like, we're going down the river, like what's happening? Like, what is this? What are you doing? And then so like something that Paul imagines is suddenly something that now Chrissy's imagination has to deal with. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that we all like check into this like tree house. It's like, like, a, it's like an imagination chat room. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's an imagination chat room yeah. where we're just like, we're here and I'm moving this around and like, well, I can't put my table there. You know, like, I, yeah. I have a question for you, Leslie. Okay. I'm As ready. someone who's gotten to work on a whole bunch of stuff, uh, yeah. producing is hurting cats and it's crazy. What's been the, what's been oh. the nuttiest challenge of like producing this podcast? Oh, well, one, never done it before. So <laughs> that, like, it's just learning, I think, mm-hmm. uh, getting something like this up on its feet is its own kind of challenge. Right. And really committing internally and externally, like, this is a thing, and it's going to be a real thing, and it's going to happen. When a thing goes from being, like, kind of an idea that you drunk and, like, kind of, like, hash out in an evening, like, this would be fun to, like, actually sitting down and doing it. I think every person around our age has been like, oh, we should just do a podcast about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> we yeah. should just do a podcast. Most conversations end that way. Yeah. And then yeah. You, yeah. Sh- you shake hands and walk away. And yeah. You never do the podcast. But you're both it. like doing it. Like it's actually, I remember like yeah. when this was just like a, a, a twinkle a in the podcast notion. eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was something we kind of talked about on the drive home from Comic-Con last year. That's true. It's been a year in the making. Yeah, almost. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Holy smokes. And I think there are definitely, like, one, it's the internal belief and mantra that, like, this is going to be a thing and it's going to happen and we're going to figure that out. Yeah. Right? Because believing in that is not only important from a motivation standpoint, but also it becomes a reassurance as well when Mm -hmm. things don't go according to plan. Right. And 
the question becomes, is it going to happen? And you're like, oh, it's it's going to happen. Right. <laughs> this is unexpected, but fear not. Right. I have invested in, and like, I believe this will happen, so it's going to happen. So it's like, it's up to me. It's like not up to the universe. It's actually yeah, up to me. Yeah, yeah. Like we have a responsibility, I think, as creatives to like invest in and believe in ourselves. Like I don't have money to invest in things, but I have like my willpower mm-hmm. and, and my dedication to it and my drive to accomplish it. And that's just as important. Like I like talking to people in the entertainment industry who are like, I want to make it. Step one is believe that you're going to make it. Right. You have to like have, I think me and I had this great conversation once about an innate sense of internal destiny. Like Mm -hmm. that's something you have to really cultivate and protect. Yeah. Because it is so easy to get kind of mentally spiked about that every once in a while. But man, just kind of like, it's going to happen. It's going to be a thing. Have a checklist. Um, know great people that's always really helpful (laughs) Um, one of the great joys about this podcast is that everyone involved is someone that i have a lot of care and respect for on every level kathy who did our logo like she's been a friend of mine for years that's amazing i think we played like one of her first D &D games with her i did yeah i ran her through the hall of the forgotten fortress or something no master the master the fallen fortress it was a free rpg day rpg oh Great, that was yeah. the best. That was yeah. fun. And yeah. Annalise is doing the music, right? Annalise is doing Annalise the music. Annalise Nelson, and that was composer very, extraordinaire. Yeah, that was very much us approaching her being like, we think you're so cool. <laughs> Would you let us give you money to continue to be cool on a professional basis? She's so much cooler than us. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's overwhelming, it's honestly. Lot. I mean, it's just like, I, I am personally like very appreciative that both of you put so much energy into this show because i mean i drive up from la to the bay area Mm -hmm. like quite often and and back and it's just like such a pleasure i mean to hear your friends is always great yeah Yeah. um but also it's just such a fun show because you all know each other and and not just know each other i think there are quite a few shows where people know each other there's there is so much respect and that allows so much more fun interactions and there's so many jabs like at the table which i love like yeah yeah characters and players you know like making fun of each other so yeah there's layers of intimacy for sure and like that's maybe another thing that i would point to and say like another reason why i feel like this has been so far a successful endeavor is because we basically went to our our friends and we're like hey will you help us like right this is what we can offer you we can feed you and we can (laughs) work with your schedules Will you help us yeah. do this thing? Is it, Cal, for you, mm-hmm. since you've worked with these folks for some of them years, yeah, um, years and years and years, <laughs> <laughs> with this show, were there any personal challenges that you're like, I'm, I really want to put Paul through the ringer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to like, I want to get rid of his fami- I want him to feel feelings on this RPG. They're all pretty strong players, but I wanted to kind of make them all step up in a way. Cool. Like, I think because like, I'm really invested in the RPG scene and I really like what's happening. And I don't think anybody else in the podcast does except for Paul. And right. I think Alan's like, aware of things yeah but i don't think he, like he i don't think he like partakes ah i see yeah anyway but like in like the media in the media right, out of, yeah. right. and alan's like, like a rpg like encyclopedia he's been doing he it for a long time and like he and like it's like a big part of his life mm-hmm. and so what i really wanted to do what i thought was important to me in this podcast was to like i wanted to just push everybody that's what that was part of like the npc creation that's part of the mystery is to like Make everybody think a little harder to mm-hmm. get everybody a little bit more 
in touch with what their who their character is because they're they're all good they were all good about that but like I wanted them to like it's it's just about taking it up just like a level higher right and right because I, I feel that way about as myself as a GM is like I've been GMing for like a long time like honestly since I was like twelve or something like that mm-hmm. but like and and when I was just like I didn't understand Dungeons and Dragons I had like a third edition book and like <laughs> I tried to like transcribe what I thought it might kind of be like just right. inferring from like other media. Uh, and I use like a bunch of rules from other video games and just kind of slap it all together yep. into like a system. And I did that for a long time. And then I actually learned D and D like in college. I think it's always good to be like improving. I think it's good as a GM to like listen to other GMs, to watch other GMs, to play with other GMs, because like you'll see them do things that you never thought of and that are great ideas. Right. And it only makes your own games better. Like I didn't know how much I love good maps and good miniatures. And, like, interesting fights until, like, I saw – until I sat down at a table with a guy who, like, ran a very, like, Dragon Age-inspired campaign. Uh-huh. And, like, he did, like – he just kind of blew it out of the park. And like, it blew my mind open. I'm like, right. I didn't even know it could be like this. Because yeah. I'd only – I don't – I would I had only ever GM'd and I was, like, a baby GM who was bad at it. And, like, I remember, like, he just, like, blew me away. And, like, mm-hmm. I remember being like, oh, man, if my own games could feel like this. Yeah. And I think that's what, how I always feel. Like, whenever I, like, play at a game, I see someone do a thing I like. I'm like, yeah. man, if my game could feel like this. If I could make my players feel like how I'm feeling right now, then, like, I'll have succeeded in some way. Something I love about RPGs in the same way of, like, what I love about improv is, like, I don't think you can ever actually be good at it. Right. You can only be great at it. Mm-hmm. And then you can only get better. It's not like, did I do it right? It's like, what do you mm-hmm. mean? You did it. <laughs> There's a look around. Do you see anything? Has the world changed at all? No, we're playing in our chat room, our imagination chat room. That's right. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I love that so much. And I can hear that in the show too, where it's just like every so often, like you're prodding the character a little bit further yeah. to like do something, you know, a little bit outside or test a mechanic. Take or... it up. Like, yeah, it's kind of like push it a little further. Like where else can you go with this? And I think that's also like, just talking about setting goals for yourself, it's good going into a campaign having like, oh, this campaign, I'm going to work on this. Right, yeah. Yeah, as a player, I'm right now I'm, I'm doing a character that often says no. And says no in a way that she's not apologizing. Uh-huh. And so that's good exercise not only for me, a player, to like make different RPG choices than I normally would, uh, but for me as the individual, it's good practice. Right. Oh, that's sure. amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Omar, thank you again so much for come on over and sitting down with us to do a little imagination chat room i feel like i feel like we should make a, a podcast about that oh interesting interesting That's an interesting, interesting idea interesting. we oh. should maybe have a podcast let's drive back from comic-con we'll let's chat about it podcast. uh before we wrap up um omar tell us a little bit what you're doing next week down at san diego comic-con i will be on a panel on thursday at 3 p.m the day this airs the day this airs oh yeah. that's right yeah today um i will be uh, down in San Diego Comic-Con doing a panel about RPGs. And uh, there's a really fun way that uh, Jeff, who um, hosts the panel, is going to kick it off. And the idea is like sort of introducing people to RPGs, but also just like making everyone feel comfortable with everyone. Um, so it's going to be a real hoot. I'm awesome. excited about it. I Malika, who runs Hyper, will yeah. be there. And yeah, great. I think uh, a bunch of us are going to be down there. So tweet at us at Mythos Manual if you want to find us. Uh, but if you want to find us for bad reasons... Don't. Too bad. <laughs> They're out. They're out. It's out Sorry. There. They don't look here anymore. <laughs> oh, well, thank you everyone again for tuning in to another Crunch episode of the Mythos Manual. Have a fantastic week and we will see you next time.
Thanks for tuning in to the Mythos Manual. Be sure to check us out on our socials at Mythos Manual or our website, mythosmanual.com. May all your rolls be 20s.